Craft Beer Radio, episode 135, on April 13th, 2009. Hey, welcome to Craft Beer Radio, I'm Greg. This is Jeff. And we are doing a bunch of Belgians. Are we the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry? I think people know that by now. Okay. All right. So we're doing American-made Belgian-style beers tonight. Mm Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of different ones from uh, around the country. So let's try to figure out... You want out to start local? No. No, that's the oak-aged one. So oh, okay. We'll start off All right. We'll start with the Hades from Great Divide. We'll, we'll leave that for you to wonder, unless you actually looked at the show notes. Okay, so we are starting with Great Divide, which unfortunately their website seems to be hacked or something. I, I don't know what's going on there. Is there boobies on it? There's a, like a, a, a place where you can order different types of glassware, but not... Mm, I don't know. This is Hades. Hades Ale. It is a Belgian strong pale ale, according to Beer Advocate, with 7.3% alcohol by volume. So, Belgian strong pale ale. How does that differ from, say, a regular pale ale? Well, they call this a, a golden ale on the bottle. And as you can see, it pours like a pilsner. Really. It's um, golden, very clear. There's a little bit of cloudiness to it. It's not crystal clear, but it's clear. Uh Nice, white, fluffy head. It looks... If you were just looking at a beer and you had to pick the style, wouldn't you say Pilsner? I would probably... Well, it's hard, you know, looking at such a... I'm just saying, it doesn't look like a traditional Pilsner, though. It doesn't have enough... I mean, maybe it's not the nucleation. Maybe there's no nucleation in here, but I don't see enough, you know, stuff going on. We're not really drinking in the Pilsner glass. No, we are. We're drinking these in in these uh, Coors and Donk... um, uh, How would you describe these? They're Belgian beer glasses. Belgian beer glasses. We had enough okay. problems describing the Omegan glass. This is, similar to, this is similar to the Omegan glass, but with a larger bowl to it. Yeah. Um, so it's... it's uh, And the head also isn't nearly as, as as big as, say, a Pilsner head would be. It, it did really fall pretty fast, yeah. When I first poured it, it looked like a Pilsner. Now it's... So I might look at this and say uh, a gold nail of some sort, maybe a pale mm-hmm. ale or something. When you smell it, you know it's Belgian right off the bat. You get some sweetness to it, um... Kind of a um, little bit of um, again, a little bit like chrysanthemum flowers, some spice, a little bit of little bit of pepperiness to a little bit of phenols. Yeah, a little bit of say uh, cinnamon, um, a little bit of honey, cardamom maybe. Mm-hmm. Honey I, is a good. one. I thought I smelled more floweriness, but when I came back to it, it was more spicy and honey than yeah than flowery. Maybe the flowery was a. A, uh, an ester that drove off pretty quickly after we poured it. And twinge of that Belgian funk, which you notice in all of these, which just comes from the Belgian strains of the yeast, and it's... Uh, Belgian character. Let's say Belgian character. Yeah, because funk, really funk, funk kind of has a yeah. negative connotation. We'll call it character. So Belgian character, you know, to get a little more scientific, that means higher levels of, of esters and, and um, of phenols. And mm-hmm. So it has some estery stuff to it. it. It's really hard for the aroma to pick out whether we're tasting fruits or flowers or bubblegum. We should go over esters and phenols again, just for those who haven't listened to sure. all 135 shows. Oh, absolutely. So uh, yeast give off two kinds of chemical chemicals when they ferment. They give off byproducts. Well, <laughs> they, they give off a whole bunch of well, they give chemicals, off, but they give off two, They give off two kinds of chemicals as byproducts. There's esters and there's phenols. Esters will be the kinds of chemicals that taste fruity, flowery, bubblegum. That's kind of fruity. 
And then phenols are, are peppery and spicy, right. so you'll get clove and cardamom and things like that out of it. And the, those are all not additives to the beer, but those all come from the yeast. Right. Various, all types of different chemicals. If you control the temperature on the yeast, you can incent the yeast to give off more of one or the other. Well, certain temperatures you get estery, and certain temperatures you get phenols. Right. And, we're and not- it, it also depends on the species of yeast. Some just are more prone to giving off one or the other. Yeast is an amazing and, little and Belgian yeast creature. in general give off more of both of those than other kinds of yeast. We should do a whole show on fungus because it's just such an interesting topic. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get some scientists in here and we can take the leak off. Okay, now when you hear pale ale, the first thing that comes to your mind is relative hoppiness, right? Well, there's they call it a what, what does beer advocate call it exactly? He calls it a Belgian strong pale ale. Okay, so Greg's talking to like an English style pale ale, which mm-hmm. is multi with some hops, or American to it. style right. multi with some hops to it. A Belgian pale ale is, is totally different. different. There's multi to it, but it has a Belgian yeast to it. Um, you know, uh, Fat Tire is a Belgian pale ale. Mm-hmm. So when you hear Belgian pale ale, you'll generally run into a beer that's that style. This one is a lot more golden, of course, and what well, Beer Advocate calls it a Belgian pale ale, and I'm not sure their thought process. Like I said, the bottle calls it a, a golden style ale, a golden strong ale. Well, this, this has a very... It's 7.3%. It's pretty strong, and it's pretty sweet. It's a very interesting flavor to it. I mean, to get that light gold clearness, you know, they probably used a fair amount of Pilsner malt in there, and you can taste it. It has, it has some of that... Um, how to put it? it has that that Pilsner malt type flavor? I sometimes call it graham crackery, but it doesn't really hit me that way in, in this beer. But think of how a Pilsner tastes, and you get that at the very beginning. You get that spiciness. You get that that refreshingness, and then it, then the Belgian yeast kicks in with some more. I've only had one sip, so I'm not. I don't have this whole taste map, you know, mapped out yet. But I'm still working on it. But my preference was. You know, it tastes pilsner. It tastes like a wheat beer a little bit, and it's it's kind of around there. I mean, graham cracker it may be a little bit strong in terms of flavor because graham crackers have a, you know, typical graham crackers have a pretty strong flavors. But mm-hmm. think um, sort of in between a saltine and a graham cracker, if you can, sure. I guess. You know, in between the tasteless and a big on taste, you get this kind of middle ground of a little bit of. Uh, Breadiness combined with a little bit of spiciness, which obviously comes from uh, the yeast as well. But then the yeast, hey, all those esters and phenols uh, really hit you later. Do you have an ingredient list on this one? I don't, unfortunately. Oh, this is the one I don't. Because um, I was thinking some of the spiciness is probably from the hops as well. They probably use some European continental hops. Let's go to the bottle since the website's down. Belgian yeast string gives a complex, spicy flavor and aroma. Noticeable hops and medium malt character make it a very balanced, crisp ale. Relative, in terms of mouthfeel, it's relatively medium. It's not super thin, but it's not also big and thick. Pair, uh, suggested food pairings. Fresh mussels, crusty bread, and artisan cheese. But, you know, the thing about this that I would point out is not necessarily a great thing, is that there's nothing incredibly distinctive about it. There's no flavors that are going to become caked on your palate and just making you not want to drink more beer. It does finish clean. I'm thinking of like what other a little golden, bit of sweetness. What other golden strong ales does this compare to? And I'm thinking of like uh, 
Le Fin du Monde. Okay. From, from Unibrew. Uh, Golden Monkey. That's a triple. See, I, I think, you know, this... Triples have a lot more sweetness, a lot yeah. more cane sugar. But if I'm thinking of, like, comparing this to Le Fin du Monde, Le Fin du Monde has a lot more sweetness to it to begin with. And it's it's uh, it's more of uh, an aperitif, you know, something to accent something else. It's not a good drinker. But this one is more drinkable. This Since this has less of that sweetness and less of the yeast character, that Pilsner malt comes through more. And so it's an interesting hybrid to me. It's it's a it's a Belgian pilsner, and I'm enjoying it because I've never really tasted these flavors together in a beer where the Belgian character isn't just plowing over it. It's, it's fascinating to me because to me it's it's just it's not really hitting me as anything special, and not you know after we've done 135 shows, you start to want to get the, the beers that are like wow you know they'll hit you hit you all types of ways you know from here till Sunday. Well, there's that, but there's also you want to enjoy a classic style or there's, something that's just solid. There and is relaxing. that too. This is relaxing. If if we were doing a show purely on Belgian strong pale ales, this might. Or, or Belgian strong ales, or Belgian, you know, however this one sits, this might sit well. I think that the other ones are going to kind of overpower this. Yeah, well, I picked this first because I, I hope I thought it would be the less. It's actually a bigger beer than I had anticipated mm-hmm. when I picked the drinking order. I, I said it once, and I'm just going to leave this beer with. I really like how the flavors come together. I like how it's so pilsnery. I've never had that in a Belgian style beer. Where you get this dual-headed beast of, you know, a good pilsner, and then it gets spicy at the end, and it, I like how it plays with each other. And I'll just say it's a decent enough beer. You're certainly not going to, you know, throw it out. But in terms of the other four beers we have in front of me, I'm not going to waste the rest of my sobriety on this one. Oh no! Dun dun so, dun! There goes the dump bucket. I finished mine. I liked it thoroughly, and. If I wasn't worried about drinking the rest of the beers, I would have put Greg's aside to finish it later. <laughs> okay, so our next beer is from North Coast Brewing in California. This is a double, 9% alcohol by volume, Brother Thelonious Belgian-style Abbey Ale. Uh, actually, on their website, they say 9.4%. 32 IBUs. That's weird. They say nine point three percent in one paragraph, the next paragraph say nine point four percent. It bottle it's a bottle conditioned beer. It changed from when they wrote the there first one go. to when they wrote the second paragraph. I don't know if it's bottle conditioned. I'll let you know in a second once we empty this bottle out. Uh this one is uh twelve ounces also It uh, apparently is not bottle conditioned. It's a seven hundred fifty milliliter that's corked and caged. This one is just a twelve ounce that's uh capped. So this is a beer from North Coast. It's a tribute beer to brother uh, to Thelonious Th- Monk. Yes, right? I'm sorry, Thelonious Monk. Yeah, jazz music musician. He's on the cable here. His halo is a keyboard. I his, think that's pretty cool. His uh, you know his Saint Halo, and he's sitting back and he's enjoying a chalice of Thelonious Monk with a skull on his lap. Very nice. I had this beer one other time, and you were with me. It was when we were at the. The, the Pittsburgh uh, Beer Festival at the Priory. Remember that one we went to where we covered a little bit? The one at the church, that church that was on the north side near Penn, but... <laughs> I'm blanking. It's here. the first time we met. Should I drink that in person? Oh, man. Okay. So this is the, that was the first time I had this beer. No, I'm completely lost. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking okay. about. Back to me. So the, uh, this is the second time that I've had this beer. The first time was at a beer fest, and I... I didn't get it at the uh, the beer fest. This was 
three years ago, and I haven't really made a chance to try this beer again. But tonight, I'm approaching it with a uh, open mind. I like the smell of this. It's got, ooh, yeah, a nice big maltiness with uh, some fruitiness. Those dark fruits. Oh the, yeah, there's a lot of um, the prune, raisiny, cherry. You know, it's it, yeah, it's that prunes. kind of. It's, it's like a, a like if you buy a bag of dried prunes. There's the dry ones, which are eh. Then there's the wet, juicy ones, you know, in there. And this smells like one of those wet, juicy mm-hmm. ones. People and should try prunes more. Pe- prunes are good fruit. Prunes are good, People yeah. should, should really get into them. This has a lot of brown sugar to it, a little bit of alcohol. This, this is a really good smelling beer. This is something you would think would go good on top of pancakes or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now you're if this was a syrup... Smells barley wine-ish right now to me. I'm not getting much Belgian character. I'm getting a lot of barley wine type flavor or aroma on this one, and a hint of like Utopia's type aroma actually, like the, the really it, mapley. I, I wow, that's interesting aroma that I wouldn't say taste. But when you say maple, man, I get that a lot in the flavor. Okay, uh, right off the bat, it hits you kind of hard with a lot of malt. Up front, a lot of this fruit and all, and and then it it fades and it with some of that maple flavor that you were talking about. Yeah, I'm getting in the flavor. It, it's not as luscious as the aroma suggested to me. It, it's kind of dry. It's a little bit astringent, and the I'm carbon, getting, I'm getting it's, like it's a, highly carbonated. Maple. I'm getting a lemony acid type flavor on my tongue. Oh, I see what you're saying, but I like that. Uh, I I think that you know doubles tend to have a little bit more acidity to them, which is why they go so well with food. They cut through the food a little yeah, bit. This more. one, the flavor is certainly not as malty as the nose suggests. So let me recenter myself and expect a beer that's not going to be this luscious brown sugar malt bomb. And let me try to get back to it. Took a second sip, and I'm getting more citrus, like just like. Not not citrus fruit like oranges or well hoppiness. You getting but, some hoppiness? No, right? I'm getting like this sour lemon zing on my tongue. It's like it's like the acid. It's like citric acid. I'm getting on my tongue. That's interesting because that's not what I'm getting. I mean, I'm getting a, a double that I think would go great with um with, with 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 a lot of different types of food. I'm not saying I won't pair with food. I mean, I think that's where I might this beer might redeem itself for me. It, it, now in the aroma, I'm getting more citrus. I'm like, someone squeezed a lemon in this beer when I wasn't looking. <laughs> I will say that, like a lot of other doubles, and there are a few exceptions, Alleg- uh, not Allegash, um, what was that one that was caramelly? <laughs> the, the double that was caramelly. Yeah, you know. Uh, you're talking about Omega? No, 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 no. This, like a lot of other doubles, I... I I think of doubles as a food pairing beer, and I don't think of doubles necessarily as a drinking beer. So this one, because of I'm get, I keep getting this lemon flavor, I'm thinking like, so let me play with pairing that that citric acid flavor I'm getting. So I'm thinking like, what's what's a hefty fish that I could pair this with, and and maybe like a salmon in a caper saucer, capers or something like that. I'm thinking shark. This would go well with shark. Okay, uh, this would go really well with um, swordfish. It's something okay. strong and oily, yeah. right? You know, yeah. something, well, something that's what I'm thinking because I'm getting a ton of lemon, and you aren't per se. But I'm thinking, okay, I want to play with that lemon with fish, and I'm thinking like salmon with a lemon caper sauce or something would go well. Anything yeah. with a lot of anything with protein, 
you know, like a hamburger would cut through well. Uh, you know, even it, a chicken. A hamburger stuff. might change how I'm tasting this beer because I'm getting that. I don't want to say too many times. Lemon. I'm getting this lemon. I'm trying to figure out what's up with that lemon. African. African double. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's malty as hell. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the weird thing about Belgian styles is that you go, you go golden, brown, golden, brown, and you have this interesting dichotomy between them with the, 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 the triple and the golden are the, the, these these golden styles that uh, really... Oh, Greg, let's explain a little bit more. So there's a Belgian Abbey Ale. Right. And it's typically a, a paler beer. And there's the Belgian Double, which has, quote-unquote, double the malt. But it's it's always a darker, caramelly style. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the Triple, which has triple the malt. I'm putting up air quotes because that's relatively what they mean, even though there's really no definition. Right. But that is back to a golden style. You don't see a dark, roasty triple. And then you go back to the quadruple, which is always a, a caramelly one again. Right. And, of course, they progressively get higher in alcohol, and they start adding candy sugars for doubles and triples and, and quads. So you get a different kind of character from the Belgian candy sugar. But Greg was going into this golden, dark, golden, dark. And it's interesting to me that the double is the one to me that goes the best with food. Although triples go great with fish, doubles Tri- doubles go great with meat, red meat. Yeah, right. I mean, because they're caramelly. Quads will go good with red meat too. Quads are, but quads are also almost always just great drinkers on their own. Yeah, they don't have to be supported by food. I think that doubles in general, the the best doubles don't have to be supported. Well, it's overkill, right? If a double goes great with food. Why waste your quad on a food, right? right? It's kind of that kind of mindset for me. The quad will be a dessert in itself. But Belgian strong, the Belgian gold nails don't necessarily go great with food. It, it's a, it's interesting. I wouldn't say it wouldn't go great with food. Um, well, I don't think of food when I think of a Belgian gold. I think of more a beer that will take a lot. The, the double, the double is the only one on well, Belgian the, golden strong ale and an Abbey ale. Which is the bottom of the Abbey series, right? Mm-hmm. Are two different things. So don't confuse them as being the same thing, really. A Golden Strong Ale is closer to a triple, but there's some differences there. They don't have the candy sugar, usually. Um, the sweetness profile is different. It's, um, I don't have to guide them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really... There's so much about, about these beer guidelines that are both you know, really interesting to discover and also, at the same time kind of limiting in your thinking yeah and it reminds me of a subject that i never really got to to talk about but i did want to talk about the ryan heinz kaboot this is as good a time as any i think Uh, let's talk about the um i wanted to expand on the conversation about styles okay so can we go that direction instead all right okay um We've talked to people like Peter Bukard from New Belgium Brewing Company, who is leading the rebellion against beer styles. And I agree 100% with 50% of what he has to say. Right. Where I think you should not knock a beer because it doesn't fit into style. If a beer tastes good, then it's a good beer. It doesn't matter if it's in style or not. The part I disagree with and the part that he – he doesn't concede anything. But the part of the 
self of the cycle that causes the problem is the beer media needs a common vocabulary to talk about beer styles. And it, me telling the listeners that that first beer had this Pilsner character, it's, it's that whole picture is a thousand words thing. Mm-hmm. That says so much about the initial flavor of the Hades that it starts out like a Pilsner than me trying to describe it in components. So I think beer styles are a necessary evil. We need to describe things in styles. But we need to be conscious not to leave the impression that a beer is substandard because it doesn't fit a style. Yeah, it it's hard because when we do style shows, we judge on we try to judge on style. In but general. whenever there's a beer that's an outstanding beer, we don't knock it. It's true, and we just got to make sure we're clear on that point. So you kind of have to think of styles as kind of like milestones. It's like if we spoke different languages, and I said this beer tastes like Metzelfra. Instead of it tastes like caramel, right? Mm-hmm. Using my own language. It doesn't mean anything to you. But when we have a common language, like Pilsner or caramel or toffee, it says so much more than saying it tastes like uh, a carbon-3, hydrogen-2, nitrogen-6. You know? Well, actually, that says a lot more. But, but no one knows what it means. But no, no one, one has the translation. <laughs> you know, it's like when I tell you it's 14 degrees Celsius outside. Now, our international listeners know exactly what that feels like. With that molecule, is that left-handed or right-handed? Well, when I say it's 14 degrees out, <laughs> I've been trying to learn Celsius scale. You know, I mean, I understand the concept. But I want to know when someone says it's 14, I want to know what that feels like. And, you know, when I, but I still have that intuitive feeling. 14 is fucking cold. You know, when I hear it's 65... I know exactly what that feels like. And it's the same kind of thing. When I say it's a Pilsner, you know what that feels like. That's interesting to me that you're trying to learn Celsius. Why? That's a post-show, concept, con- uh, post-show subject. You brought it up in the main show, so I want to hear this. Because um, most of the world's using it. But, but we're not, and we're inundated with Fahrenheit everywhere. So I want to be a good global citizen. I think I don't if, think you could see my rolling the eye, my rolling of my I eyes think on the you radio. Slap the desk. I think they know. <laughs> no, I've been uh, I've been trying, and I can't. you ever heard the phrase "when in Rome"? Sure, whatever. I like like now. I if someone tells me it's you know eighteen degrees out. I can stop for about five seconds and do some quick and dirty math and get a rough temperature in Fahrenheit, and then know what it feels like. But I want to get to the point where when someone says it's 18 degrees, I know what it feels like. I mean, Fahrenheit, all things considered, is a stupid scale. But it's a scale that actually is, to me, a lot more effective than Celsius when you're talking about temperatures in terms of compatibility. You know, like 60 versus 40. That's just, just because of your, your uh, you know, history. Maybe. To, what, what, what's, what, how does it make sense that 32 is... This is too far off the boat. We're, I'm going to cut this rabbit right. hole. Let's get back to the content. More on, to, on the post show. We'll talk about... More on, literally. We'll talk about... Oh, this. <laughs> jerk. Okay, so we're going to get back to I'm beer. talking about Me Too. Okay. Don't give me that. All right. All right. Don't give me that nonsense. Please. We're going to have a fight and break up on the... Never do craft beer radio. <laughs> I'll do craft, he'll do beer, and then someone else will do radio. <laughs> I enjoy the aroma on this beer, and as I drink it, the lemony is not there as much. 
uh, it's not my favorite double, though. No, it's not my favorite double either. I mean, it's not... Not by, by a long shot. Yeah, me too. What's next? Looks like we're entering the realm of the triples now. Triple time. All right, so we're going with Flying Dog. Flying Dog is uh, brewed really close to us over here in Frederick. Maryland, yes. They used to be in Denver, Colorado, but they bought the uh, Wild Goose Brewery and decided to move their production to Frederick, Maryland. 8.5% alcohol on this one. These and, are... uh, and I got um, yelled at by the guys at Flying Dog at Monk's Cafe when I was out in Philly that we had driven to Saver last year and not stopped into their brewery. So we're going to have to try to work out a uh, brewery tour as we f- drive past Frederick. I'm sure we can do that because it's a long... On the way, we'll have to figure okay. out how. Yep. So I'm going to get that set up, and we'll be doing a video thing from from Frederick, along with the Saber content. Thanks for all the yeast, Jeff. You're welcome. You want my glass? No, it's okay. It's cool. You want to do the little back and forth? Maybe, we'll, maybe we will. This is a 8.5% alcohol by volume, 19 degrees Play-Doh, if you really care, which I, I, I never do that math, so... Play-Doh's is the percent of dissolved solids in liquid, which is different than... Specific gravity, which is a ratio of density different than water. So, not, so the maximum maximum we have is 100 degrees Plato, or I, 360 degrees Plato. I don't know. <laughs> maybe 100. Probably 100. Uh, IBUs 27 international bitterness units. That's what IBUs stand for. So, the higher IBUs, the more bitter the beer is. At the same time, your IBUs will generally rise as the alcohol rises because, as alcohol rises, sweetness rises in general. And yeah, I mean, that would be a function of the malt that makes the alcohol also leaves unfermented sugars. So you get some sweetness along with the alcohol. It's like, you know, a little bit of ketchup on your french fries. You get a little bit of sweetness on your alcohol. So you need something to balance that out. So you generally have more hops. More hops and hops contribute to your IBU. Now your malts here are two row pilsner and aromatic. Aromatic malts kind of malt, yeah. Oh, okay. I never heard of that one. Yeah. It's, um, it's... It's 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 kind of like a victory or a Munich. It's um it needs to be mashed. It, it gives you some a um, little bit of bready flavor to it. Malt's another totally interesting subject. If you ever want to just you know go crazy on Wikipedia and all the other possible links you can go through, you'll just that and hops. You'll you'll go nuts. <laughs> what, tell us more about the Kerbos. Anything else? Uh, Golding and and Zotz hops. And uh, bottle conditioned. All right. So um, this is a good time as any to bring up this new book that we have here. Indeed. Uh, Bob Skilnick, who we had on the show before. He did the history, Great of, guy. history of Brewing in Chicago. He has a new book out. It's a tiny little book called uh, Does My Butt Look Big in This Beer? Nutritional Values of 2,000 Worldwide Beers. So basically, this is your beer diet guide. And this is great because for every beer, they have the, the number of ounces for the Serving size. I love the back of it. Read the back. Fact, there is no fat in beer. Fact, there is no cholesterol in beer. Fact, there is no nutritional information readily available for your favorite beer until now. (laughs) I like that a lot. So, um, ounces, they have carbs, calories, ABV, and your Weight Watchers points, which is hilarious. I mean, if you're on Weight Watchers and you like craft beer, then this is a great tool, but you don't really think of drinking... 
beer with being on Weight Watchers, but there is a place. Lou Bryson lost a lot of weight, and I'm not sure if he used Weight Watchers, but he was on diet plan, and he worked beer into his diet plan. So you definitely can do it. Now, also, there's something to to know about those back fat those those last two facts, the, the the facts in the back, because that is a yes and a no, particularly in the first fact. Cholesterol? No, oh. fat. There is no fat in beer. However, your body may convert to fat if you don't exercise. You know, it's one of those right, you right, know right. if and or and cholesterol. And, and the, the, that's a complicated process inside of the body, also. You're not adding additional fat or cholesterol in beer, but if you don't exercise after you do it... This book is spawned because the, um, the TTB, the Tax and Trade Bureau, is considering putting nutrition labels on beer. And uh, this is... I thought it'd be cool to have that, but it's actually a bad thing for the craft, the small breweries. They'd have to send all these beers off to the labs to get analyzed. It would put a lot of overhead in the craft brewery. So it, it's just government... I kind of look at it as government meddling. You got to know that there's calories in your beer and you got to use it responsibly. But forcing the little one man brewery to get all his beers analyzed and put particularly a, a smaller brewery where it's not going to be the same every time out. Yeah. And or doing one offs. Like look at East End. You know, he does all these. He doesn't actually doesn't package most of his beers. So that's good. If he, they made this law where he had to get labels, I bet you wouldn't package any of his beer. Well, I mean, they may give you an option, and they probably do on some level if you're if you're a small enough company to estimate based on chemical composition. I don't know about that comes, but I brought this up because out of the beers we're doing tonight, the Kerberos Triple is in here. Because almost always when they do those sort of federal, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but almost always when they do those federal sure. laws, they also include provisions for businesses that, that don't have enough money. Well, to hopefully pay they that. do. Hopefully they do. That wouldn't make it as bad, but. Minimum wage laws is an example of that. If you minimum wage has you have that, but if you're a small enough business, you don't have to apply. Like I think that the beer should have the ABV listed on the label, and from there you can kind of infer how bad the beer is for you, right. whether it's two hundred or four hundred calories. So anyway, this Kerberos Triple is eighteen point six carbs, two hundred sixty nine calories, eight point five percent ABV, and five Weight Watchers points. The only thing I don't like about this book. I think it's really it, – it's a good book to have. It's interesting. But the only thing I don't like about this book is – can you guess? The the uh, the font? Nailed it's it. It's kind of a crayon-y, scribbly font. Nailed it. I, I just don't go for cutesy. Sorry. So you've been smelling the uh, Kerberos while I've been playing with this book. What do you smell? Well, there's a beer in my glass. I smell that much. I know it's hard because it, it hasn't it hasn't struck out – any incredible flavors or incredible now, aromas to me. I should mention that this was last year's release of Kerberos. It has been in my fridge the entire time. We've been trying to get this on forever. And I just took a sip. It still tastes good, so I don't feel guilty about tasting it when it's old. And the, the new release of Kerberos is just about to hit the shelves. So it's kind of timely, but it's kind of bad that we didn't drink it last year. This is a seasonal beer, so you will find it around this time, around... Uh, March, April, May, June. So so my first impression on this beer is it's triple, but it's a little bit more gold and less yellow than most triples. There's a little bit of darker malt in there, giving it a little bit more malty character. I'm also getting more Belgian character than I sort of expect from a triple. Uh, Explain but, me that statement. 
I don't know. It just it, it it feels like I'm getting more of that than I am the sweetness and stuff that I expect from the triple. But maybe I just I haven't adjusted to it yet. Kerberos, by the way, is the three-headed dog of Greek legend. Some people call it Cerberus, and it's typically spelled C-E-R-B-E-R-U-S. The this one is called K-E-R-B-E-R-U-S, which is the this is the Greek spelling as opposed to the Roman spelling, or vice versa. Uh, I perhaps, remember. but but what, this is the spelling that the computer security technology uses. Yes, there is one way to get past Kerberos. Oh, do tell. Play music. Oh, it does... will sleep when you play music. Oh, did you learn that's... it in Zelda or something like that? Uh, I I learned that from my memory of Greek mythology. Oh, no which video game is limited. It sounds like a video game, but actually they repeated RPG that thing. in in Harry Potter. So there you go. It was reinforced okay. by okay. Harry Potter. So I I let me try to dig into this beer. But my first impression is I'm enjoying it. There's some sweetness to it. There's some Belgian sugar, there's a little bit of spiciness to it. It's um, orange, orangey, like not citrus, but like that orange character, mm-hmm. like orange minus citrus, getting something like that. It's interesting. On their website, they classify this as midway between light and dark, but between malty and hoppy, they classify this as hoppy, like way on the hoppy scale. I don't see it. They... uh you know, they use continental hops for this one. Golding and Zots. Zots, right. So it's going to be more spicy than, than citrusy or anything like that. And this beer is aged, so the hops probably faded a slight bit. Beer doesn't taste old to me, but it's probably not as hoppy as it once was. Oh, wow. They really play up to your, your drunken RPG-playing self in this uh, description on the bottle here. Oh, really? Greetings, oh god of the barstool. In your wow. hand respi- resides a mighty Kerberos triple, a Belden-style ale cherished that it, its namesake, the three-headed hellhound sentinel of the underworld guards thy, bo- guards thy bottle. <laughs> so quench thy godly self, then ask thy barmaid to receive ye another, for you are the most powerful, and this is your bounty. Now, I've already said before... That I hate cutesy. And the reason why I hate cutesy is because it's either pandering or it's uh, treating treating it like a simpleton, which may be the same thing, right? treating us like we're stupid. So I don't like when be- – so I don't – you know, everyone who listens to the show knows I don't Fly- like beer Flying, marketing. Flying Dog is, is a marketing company, right? I yeah. mean, they make good beers – and they make solid beers. It's hard to fault them for their marketing gusto that they always have. You know, they got the Ralph Steadman artwork, which is a great label. It's a great label. And they have the whole persona of good beer, no shit. And, you know, it's just, you know, I just kind of have to put Some, that off to the side and just I look at I suppose sometimes you have to just go with the flow. I suppose you're right in that sense. It, it's always going to irk me. It, it's one of those things that... I, I don't know if I can necessarily change about myself. It's always going to irk me. I just have to kind of push it aside. I mean, if they didn't make good beers, then, yeah, I'd, I'd be turning on them just like anyone else, right? Or especially more than anyone else. But you know, Flying Dog makes solid beers, so I kind of give them a pass on their marketing and their, their, their gusto. Maybe. It's I'll like, say their enthusiasm in their marketing. It's like, here, let me give you an example from my personal life, right? When somebody says something that is that I know is incorrect, I have an immediate 
reaction that I want to tell them exactly that, you know, they're wrong. This is what correct is. And I don't mean that to insult them. I just mean that to correct them. But I've learned people don't like that, so I have to hold that back. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with, with, with Flying Dog in a sense. You know, it's like I see that. I don't like it. I kind of want to hit them for it. But at the same time, they make good beers. So, you know, I just have to say, all right, whatever. I'll just let it go. I'll let yeah. it go. Don't hate the player. Hate the game, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of what you got to look at this one for. They're, they're doing what they need to do. Dogfish, how's Dogfish Head much different, you know? Not much different, really. Right. I mean, so again, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Although, I really admire Sam Claggioni. Right, but... It's it's the same game they're both playing. Slightly different angle. Sam does stuff that's that's crazy and off the wall and awesome. Gonzo's not that crazy? I mean No, Gonzo's great. Gonzo's fantastic, but Gonzo's I'm just playing not, devil's advocate right Gonzo's now. Gonzo's not Pangea. Oh no. No. Well, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, they've done Flying Dog's done some good stuff. I'm not saying they're equal. But I'm just saying they both have marketing, and and Sam is a good brewer and a great beer guy, but he's also a consummate marketer, you know. Absolutely, and I am not the best person. You know, it's funny that you send me your, your logos. I'm not the best person to talk about marketing anyway because I hate pretty much all marketing. <laughs> it's it's pretty off topic, but I want to get back to Kerberos. Mine's almost gone. I'm digging this beer, and it's one of those beers where it's it's hard to describe. I don't have a lot to say about it. But I'm digging it. The more I drank it, the more I started to really dig it. Really did. And it triples is one of those styles that I always thought I didn't like, but every time I have one, I I, I This doubt one's them. a dry triple. A lot of them are sweeter. This one finishes dry. I'm trying to redeem myself and get some more, you know, descriptors in there. Um, but it's one of those ones where it's just so drinkable and it's hard to, to, to describe. Are there any beers like that for you? I mean, for me, triples are the ones that are one of the ones, at least, that... You think you don't like, but you like I always thought, you know, I always think I don't like, but whenever I have them, I down them, I'm like, man, this is good. And I'm like, well, I don't really like triples. I want to have something else. That's a good question. Let me think about it, and I'll get back to you. I don't want to right. cause a bunch of dead air here. Finishing the Kerberos. Ooh, I like that. Let's go on. We're going to do the Oaked One Latch. So now is we've got Le Freak. Le Freak. Le Freak is a Belgian-style IPA from Green Flash Brewing Company. Green Flash is in, uh, I believe they're in California, right? Yeah, California. Oh, it is a Belgian IPA. Look at that. I didn't read the whole description when we were doing the tasting order. Yep, it's uh, Extreme Ale Converging, San Diego-style Imperial Pale Ale, and a Belgian-style Triple. You know Green Flash can do hoppy beers, right? Yes. You've had Green Flash IPA and Double IPA? Yes. I'm all of a sudden excited to see what those <laughs> maniacs do with a Belgian-style American hop triple, like Oblong Schuf or Uthra Hoppet or Okay, I, I, I'm going to have you guess the IBUs on this one. The alcohol by volume is 9.2. Guess the IBUs. 97. You are lower. <laughs> what? It only goes up to a hundred before you get diminishing returns. <laughs> Holy shit! I've used her a hundred one. <laughs> That's like virtually impossible. That's what the <laughs> formula says. But it's like you know when you approach a singularity, it, the, the rules of physics break down. 
Holy cow, that doesn't smell Belgian. That smells IPA. That's the freak. Wow. Holy smokes. This uh, won an award second place in the 2008 California State Fair Specialty Beer. This was a eleven fifty at the uh, Three Sons, Dogs, and Suds. $11.50 Pittsburgh dollars. Yeah, it smells just like an IPA, doesn't it? It smells, uh, but but not quite as alcohol. And it's, it's weird because it's nine point two percent. It doesn't the really have hidden. So so define the smell. I mean, I'm getting a lot of citrus. I'm getting a little bit of of pininess. Kind of kind of to me a mixture of of pineapple and tangerine. Oh, pineapple. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm guessing uh, Simcoe. It, they don't say they don't have the, they don't list what hops they have. Okay, uh, American hops and Belgian East aromatics is what they say. You're right about the pineapple. I was I was missing it. I was thinking more orange and more pine resin, but yeah, pineapple pineapple juice right there. Take a sip now. That's pretty bitter, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really overpowering any kind of Belgian character. In fact, it's making some of it's the... It's really bitter. Holy smokes, it's making you pucker, isn't it? it? It's making pucker, and it's making some of that Belgian character more funky than it should be, I think. Little foot, and little socks, little... Yeah. Little stinky? Yeah. It's the not... Beer, the beer's not stinky, but it's the it's the elf acids in the IPA just giving it this earthy footy type character i mean when when you get these high these like big bitter things that they use uh like what what are the hops that are, that are super bitter the um magnum uh, right they're you know they're strong and they're bitter and they, and they give you that that come out like 15 percent alfast yeah they give like you that. a little bit of funk in the taste and combine that with the thing that we you know we call belgian character and, and i've called before belgian funk just called before in the show belgian funk it adds to the funkiness. It kind of makes it, it kind of multiplies the funkiness character. And I'm not really getting much beyond that. I'm getting bitter. I'm getting funk. And I'm getting maybe a little bit of, of citrusy sour on the side of my mouth. I want to give it some more time to get used to it because it is such an intense beer. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely much more intense than anything. Can, can you pull up Green Flash's lineup and see if they make any other Belgian style I beers? I can. Green Flash makes. Make a Belgian strong dark ale, their Grand Cru. Belgian IPA, well, that's this one. Uh, they, make, they make a something called a Super Freak. Super? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? The, do you have any info on that or anything? Or is just this, this called a Belgian IPA? That's about it in terms of Belgian styles. I see, you know, American barley wine, American double imperial stout, American strong. Ale. I was just curious because it is okay. They make a triple Belgian. Green. Oh yeah, 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 I've had the triple. Okay, right. I thought I had one. It just I was curious because this beer, first couple sips was so hoppy and so non-Belgiany. I just wondered if they have made other Belgian beers. And, and now that you've refreshed my memory, and yes, we've had the triple in the past. Um, and also, the more I drink this beer, the hops. Hop, I'm getting used to the hops. I'm resetting my palate. I'm yeah. centering myself, tuning in the tracking dial, and I'm getting it a little bit more. Give me another sip or two, and I might have a different opinion it's, on this. It's very, it's West Coast. Uh, the, the hops compared to the stuff we had already, 
the hops are are oh, big time. This is going to be a tough beer to add in the lineup because this is so non-Belgian. This is such an experimental brew compared to the other ones. And and that's kind of the weird thing about hops, about a strong hoppy beer, is that you get used to it after a while. Mm-hmm. And you start to taste the other flavors, and then you go back to something that doesn't have a lot of hops Do you pick in up it, any sword drain in the different. aroma? In the aroma? Yeah, any sewer drain at all? I'm getting a slight small bit of something, and I'm just wondering if it, you're smelling No, I'm it. not getting sewer okay. drain. I'm getting you know crazy alpha acids in the hops, but I'm not getting sewer drain. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm smelling. I was just wanting to throw that against the wall and see if it's stuck. I it's not a sour beer. It's not a spoiled beer. The yeast aren't unhealthy. I just I'm getting this really intense flavor from the aromas, and I was curious what it was. I mean, Green Flash is unabashedly Californian and unabashedly oh, hoppy. They they know how to stick hops in a beer. Yeah, they know how to stick hops in a beer for sure. So this is not surprising in the fact that it's super hopped, but it, it's also. Um, it makes me wonder how the next beer is going to taste because we're acclimating ourselves to these hops. Okay, so I'm I'm drinking this now saying, okay, this is my PA with some Belgian in it. I'm going to search out the Belgian and try to describe it. The last sip I got was um, IPA with a little bit of bazooka bubblegum. Let's take a sip and look for bazooka bubblegum. I'm... I'm, I'm tasting remnants of that in in the aftertaste i haven't you know i still have it there mm-hmm. i haven't sipped it but i i see where the remnants of that it, it's it's tiny to me i mean it's mm-hmm. there if i look for it it's like i gotta oh, it's, i gotta inspect for it i gotta take a magnifying right. glass and look in the corners yeah it's not a 50 50 beer it's not half ipa half belgian right it is 79 percent ipa 20 percent. and i wouldn't have picked it out if you wouldn't have said so I wouldn't have said bazooka if you wouldn't have said so, but now that you say so, I can say, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm in pretty, the corner I'm, there, I can see the little stupid comic book, the comic that... Like, before I said bubblegum, but I've never really defined it. And this is bazooka. Which is a particular flavor of bubble. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's... It only lasts for a couple minutes, right? A couple right. seconds before it's gone. It's yeah. a very fleeting flavor in the bubblegum. And the bazooka, well, in the bazooka bubblegum itself, the flavor does yeah. not last long at all. Well, that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> it turns into rubber after like two minutes. So what do you think about Le Freak? You know what? It's super freaky. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. It's a, uh, I wouldn't call it a classic style by any means of my imagination. It, I would call it experimental. But it turns out to be a, a interesting experiment, and interesting journey. You know, I talked palate. about how in the very beginning that the what was the one from uh, Great Divide? Hades. The Hades wasn't interesting. This is interesting. This captures my attention. At the same time, though, I'm not necessarily enjoying it as much as the Hades. So it's I, like I find them equally interesting. This is IPA mixed with Belgian. The other one was Pilsner mixed with Belgian. No, I've never had. I've never had the um, the sharp edge IP, the Belgian IP. Oh, over the edge. Yeah, how does that compare? Okay, to so uh, for listeners, um, sharp edge brewer, or sharp edge bars here in Pittsburgh, they're a Belgian bar. They they contract brew a beer from uh, Browery Van Steenberge for themselves. A lot of people contract brew beers from Steenberge. Uh, Monks Cafe, Monks uh, Fl- Sour Flemish Ale comes from them. Another. Uh, uh, Fatheads has one too. I don't know about those two examples, but most of the 
beers that Steamburge brews for bars or just other Steamburge brews with a different label. Um, Hart from the Sharp Edge tells me that one of the only beers that Steamburge makes for a bar uniquely is Over the Edge. It's this American Hop Triple, just like this style. Um, theirs is more Kolsch-like. It's a lot more vinous. Okay. It's more like you feel like you're sucking on the hop binds. Really? I, I mean, that, try it then. that's just the character I get. It's more hay-like. It's more Kolsch-like. It's more... Um, it's hoppy. It's significantly hoppy. Not like this, because it maintains the Belgian hop balance, where this is just an IPA with a little bit of Belgian. I mean, I have to admit, I've never tried it just because there's always such a great selection at Sharp Edge that it's like, mm-hmm. I don't it, know, I want to try that, I want to try that, you, I want to try that. You know, it needs to be at the top of your list because it is an experience worth trying. I'm not saying it's the best beer Sharp Edge has, but, it, you know, you've had, I know what you've had at the Sharp Edge, more or less, right? And it should be at the top of your list. I think next time you go, you should try it over the edge. I think I will. And um, but I think compared to this, it's 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 significantly hoppy, just like this. But the hops are more continental. Instead of being this West Coast citrus bomb, it's more of this Koshi hop bind bomb. It's more uh, more uh, uh, chaff, like you know, you like the the meat of the the barley. I'm not throwing, you know, I'm not pouring this out, but it's still very bitter. And it's still. I keep drinking it mostly because I want to acclimatize and I want to understand this from a West Coast point of view. And when we're doing this show with all these Belgian beers, this thing takes some use, time getting used to. Ta da! Do, do, do. This is from Weyerbacher from our hometown state of Pennsylvania. E- Eastern Pennsylvania. Or is it Exton? Shit, I don't remember. Easton. Easton. That's it. Easton, Pennsylvania. Their uh, zip code is 18042. And if you want to call them, their phone number is 610-559-5561. They're north of Philly. <laughs> and I have never been there. But the next time I'm out in Philly These area, have all been high alcohol beers. 9.3 alcohol by Dude, it's, it's a Belgian-style show. Uh, taking our Mar- this is they, they take their Merry Monk's Ale... And they age it in bourbon barrels. Yep, yep. So, Weyerbacher makes a couple beers. They make uh, Merry Monks, which is a triple. They make Blithering Idiot, which is a barley wine. And they make Old Heathen, which is an Imperial Stout. They oak-age all those beers. The Old Heathen becomes Heresy. The Blithering Idiot becomes Insanity. And the Merry Monks becomes Prophecy. So it's like an escalation of each of their names to the next level. It's, yeah. it's a great naming scheme. So good. And, and the thing about, and we've mentioned this before, when we started the show, Weyerbacher was a different brewery than they are now. If you listened to the Brewer's Plate interview, I interviewed a guy from Weyerbacher, the brewer from Weyerbacher, and I... Played some hardball, right? And I said, you know, you guys used to suck. Well, I didn't say it that way because I can't. Well, I'm getting better at interviewing. I still can't play the Chris, Matthew, Chris Matthews hardball game. And uh, I asked him, you know, he, he's been there. He's the brewer. And basically he started when Weyerbacher started getting good. So I forget his name right now. But, I, yeah, Weyerbacher's a much improved brewery. Sorry for 
jumping in there. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. I haven't listened to that one yet. There's, you know, I listened to a couple, but I haven't. And I, I've, I'm going to have to give you a list of the ones you need to listen to. Yeah, I think so. But uh, Weyerbacher has, if you haven't tried Weyerbacher in, say, five years, give them a shot. Yeah. Absolutely. They've really changed. So this is the prophecy. This is their Oak Age Triple, uh, the Merry Monks on Oak. And in the past, I've said, when they do these Oak Age beers, they they neglect the pour the quart or so of Jack Daniels out of the keg before they put the beer in. And I, I, I think this one's pretty much the same way. This I think one you're right. smells very wow. bourbony. When you buy a barrel from Jack Daniels, they keep some bourbon in it to keep the barrel moist and, and sealed. So when you buy this barrel, if you're a brewery or a home brewer, you, you take the bung out and you tip it over and you pour out almost a quart of Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. And you can drink it. It's great stuff. But Weyerbacher... I swear Weyerbacher leaves that much bourbon in the barrel because these things just taste like whiskey. When you yeah, there's it. a lot of... Mm. There's, a, there's a lot of whiskey. There's a lot of like... This doesn't taste like a triple to me. <laughs> it's, it's good. I'm liking the flavor. It's this sweet. I'm getting cotton candy. I'm getting... Caramel, I'm getting toffee, I'm getting all these confections all mixed into one. And, uh, but yeah, you can, this is actually one of the better ones because this doesn't taste like Jack Daniels. This tastes like a sweeter, softer, yummier Jack Daniels. It tastes like candy. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of sweetness on this one. Bud Select is 99 calories in a bottle. That's not bad. It's a terrible beer, but it's not bad. Well, look, they even have Bud 3.2 if you live in Utah. Well, four, how, or four. well, how much did the Michelob stuff cost? Because the Michelob, I mean, those are good beers as opposed to the Budweiser stuff, which we don't like. All but, right, so but the Michelob see. stuff, I think we we both can agree the Michelob, you know, the Michelob brand is C or better, and in fact, in some places, well, I mean, B plus or even more. Calories really matter in that in that point of view. The Michelob Hefeweizen is 154 calories. Michelob Pale Ale was 187 calories. Not a bad pale, about a C plus, maybe a B minus. Yes, that's 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 pretty mediocre. Oh, here's the Bavarian wheat, one sixty. But I don't Bavarian care. wheat. I don't care about calories until I'm drinking something like this prophecy, which is probably four hundred calories. You know. Yeah, I mean, all I'm really tasting here is is kind of the bourbon from the from see, the cast. I'm not, I'm not really tasting the triple here, and that's unfortunate. See, I I have a different opinion on this one where this. Blends with the bourbon much better than than other beers that I've had, or and and more so than uh, lunacy, their barley wine. This the sweetness from the triple and the bourbon from the Jack Daniels barrel. They're blending. I'm getting this cherry chocolate flavor, and which chocolate's weird because you know this is a cloudy golden beer. It looks like a hefeweizen. Um, I'm liking this because it's it's not just whiskey and Jack Daniels and oak. It's this sweet uh, saltwater toffee mixed in with oranges, mixed in with all kinds of stuff. See, it tastes to me very not much different from what I imagine. I haven't tried this, but what I imagine – I mean, I've had Jack Daniels before, but what I imagine like a Jack and Water 
with maybe seltzer waters and regular water tastes like it, it just it, it tastes like Jack Daniels to me. It tastes like bourbon. Uh, sour mash bourbon is not really that interesting. It, it and frankly, it, I'm I'm not impressed by it. I, I I would have expected more from it, but all I'm get and, and you know I expect more from from the triple. But all I'm getting is this bourbon. You know, w- without the big alcohol burst. You know, without the the burning in your mouth, but basically a bourbon flavor. We each have our opinions. I, I, I'm allowed, right? No, you're definitely allowed. <laughs> and and for most bourbon beers, I would be right with you. This one has a unique pairing into it that I think is is interesting and worthwhile. It just I can't. I'm having a hard time explaining it, but I think this is a great use of. Wow, Greg poured out a bunch of beer there. I'm gonna have to pour out most of mine because I just felt like. Boom, I just hit the wall. Um, I need to, to slow down my alcohol intake. I have to drive home, too. That, that's no, part of it. Sure. Generally, I will take your stance with bourbon beers. I think most of them aren't very good. A lot of them are just, hey, let's take a beer and stick it in a barrel and see what happens. And they're not crafted. And some of the Weyerbacher beers, I have felt that way, too. Um, Heresy. The Oak Age Old Heathen. Not... It's not very complimentary. It's conflicting. Blasphemy. It's kind of conflicting. But I find this one complimentary. I find the flavors are going well together. I think that's a good way to put it. I think it found a way to compliment, and I'm enjoying it. That's up to you, I suppose. Sure. It's your thing. But guess what? It's time it's, to rank. And since you did the ranking time. first last couple of times, I get to do the ranking first well, this time. Oh, man, you remember that. I do. Okay. I do. And... Um, we're going to keep the pre-show beer out because it really does not. Yes, the, the pre-show beer does not count because the pre-show beer is not in anywhere it's near a, the style. It's a uh, mild. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. This is interesting, isn't it? Because none of these beers struck me as awesome. Right? None of these beers hit me as 9 or 10 out of 10. I'm going to go with the uh, Flying Dog as my number one beer. Just because, you know, it hit the right notes for a triple. I mean, I, I, to- I said at the, at the time it didn't really do much beyond being a triple. But it hit the right notes and it worked right. And the rest of them kind of failed in different ways to me. Which is weird but that's what happens. So, okay. I'll go with the uh, North Coast Brother Thelonious Monk next. Just because, you know, as Jeff said, there was a little bit of sourness there. It needed food. It needed food to go with it. And that's not the best double. Not necessarily the best doubles need that, but this double needed that. It needed food to go with it. Then I will put the... <sighs> this is kind of tough, but I think I'm going to put the Hades next. Because, like I said, it wasn't exactly. Again, it wasn't. It didn't hit me as anything more than just there it was, but it was decent for what it was. And the next two, I mean, it, they were just weird to me. They were just off. The Freak from Green Flash, I, I appreciated the the hoppiness, but it was just different and it didn't work for me with compared to the other beers that I was having. As much as I, I, you know, I like a hoppy beer now and then, and I, 
I'm intrigued by the style and I'm intrigued by the way they're playing with it. It didn't quite work for me. It was a bit too bitter. Just a bit too bitter for me. Kind of overpowering on the bitterness. You know, not really what I wanted. And then I'm going to go last with the Weyerbacher Prophecy because that didn't taste much like a beer to me. It tasted like they just put Jack Daniels and seltzer water together, essentially. I was not impressed. You didn't taste triple? I really didn't. I really didn't. No, I, I I respect your opinion because um, I've tasted that in Weyerbacher beers in the past where, holy shit, they didn't just leave all the Jack Dino's and they added a couple fifths, you know? Um, tonight it hits me a little bit different. My number one beer tonight is the Flying Dog Kerberos. All around, I just, that beer was just engaging and and luscious and I just liked it a lot. It was just was that the one we had a hard time describing? I think it was. We yeah. didn't have much to yeah. say about it. I think I may have said earlier that I didn't. That, uh, I wasn't quite sure, but I was thinking more about the Great Divide. The, the triple I've, was the one that I said. You know, I always think I don't like triples, but I I I, I take a triple and I always love it. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, my number two is going to be the Great Divide. Okay, I loved how that Pilsner played with that Belgian beer, and I had never seen that before. I thought it was a great pairing. It was more subtle than a lot of the beers tonight. But I love that pairing. Great Divide is one of our favorite brewing companies among our top ten, I think. Number three, I'm going to put the Weyerbacher. I I just thought that if you're going to do a beer with that much whiskey in it, it's hard to make it work together that well. And I I enjoyed it. It's it's, um, better than I thought a beer with that much whiskey could be. Green Flash is going to be my number four beer. Um, crazy experiment. West Coast IPA. A little bit of Belgian in there. Mm-hmm. A little bit of feet. A little bit of weirdness. Um, and on the North Coast, I just got that ton of lemon citrus flavor. I couldn't get past it. I mean, a short, short from pairing it with some salmon and capers, I, I couldn't figure out what I was going to do with that beer. Works for me. So we've had a lot of agreements lately in in, in uh, rankings, and this is our first one where we've really other first than, one in a while where yeah. we really other than the differed. flying dog, we really differed. Yeah. Uh, so I you know I think that that will that will show everybody. That, yeah, we don't you know we're different taste buds, even though we have uh, uh, similar similar taste similar what's the word similar likings for sim for awesome flavor for stuff. similar awesome flavors. For I don't stuff. know. Yeah, stuff is good that we like and is good. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks everybody for listening, to Crafty Radio. It looks like it's one of our longer episodes than normal. Uh, we'll see how the editing cuts that down. But thank you for listening. Tune in next week where we do some more super duper beer. Super duper beer. That's the S, right? The S in the cape. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear